All right. So we should be live. We should be live. Hello, everyone. Hello. 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 See this. Luke, Ron, Tony, William. Can you guys see us and hear us okay? Oh, hey, there we go. I got the chat pulled up. Yeah, you should be able to see the, the chat on the, the right-hand side there, Chris. If, um... okay, yeah, yeah, I see it. William, Lukey, Ron, and Tony. Yeah. Hey, guys. Good evening, guys. How are you guys doing? Very, very well. Matt, Tony, fantastic. Um, so anyway, we'll just do a quick intro. This is a um, – we, myself and Chris were talking a few weeks back now, two, three weeks ago, and we said, oh, we should, we should do something together again. So we thought, why not put a just a real casual, a real casual Q4 conversation. We'll get the conversation started. Just we'll go with the flow, get some questions, some topics. And you guys that are in the chat uh, will be able to, to, to join on, just, just, just to join the conversation. Because we are we're like a month away now, we're like a month away from Q4. And then it gets really, really exciting. So um, for you guys that don't know Chris, uh, shall we just do a quick, just a quick 30-second bio. Uh, do you want to share just a quick sort of intro for you, Chris? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, hey, guys, my name's Chris. Uh, I've been selling on Amazon now for um, about a year and a half, a little less than a year and a half. Um, mainly do uh, – mainly I'm focusing on wholesale um, with some online arbitrage right now. And that's really – I mean, you know, and I like, I like networking with others, and I've got a YouTube channel, and, uh, you know, it's – that's been fun, and that's, I mean, that's pretty much it, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And well, um, just a quick bio for myself, if you guys don't know, but this is, this is going to be now my fourth Q4. Yeah, fourth. Wow. Um, so I started back in 2015. Um, I wanted to get out the electrical engineering job because uh, it wasn't as stable as, as everybody was saying. And fast forward a few months, quit the job. Fast forward a few more months, got out into the warehouse, and now my passion is just to help as many people as I can. So, um, uh, so we're going to just talk all things Q4. So, if you guys, I know you guys are here. If you guys have got any questions or topics, I've got a few questions and topics that um, I collected on Facebook and uh, some messages and things. Uh, so we'll just get going. Uh, but William says that he's not able to hear us. So. Can we just confirm that is it is it just William or is it everybody? Yeah, can everyone hear us? Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, I can yeah. hear. Oh, perfect. Um, so William, you you may have to just turn, just log out and log back in, and it might just refresh. Not entirely sure, but um, yeah. So let's begin. Uh, Q Q four then, Chris. This is the I guess this is your your second Q four now. Yeah, this is my second Q four. Yeah. So what what was the experience like last year for you, the first one? Um, okay, so I started off a little rocky. It was in November. What happened was it was a week, a week and a half before Black Friday. I ended up getting two bad reviews on my seller account. And so they weren't my fault. It was an Amazon fulfill issue. But it was just they coincided. Like it just wasn't good. And it basically killed my Black Friday sales. But then I ended up getting those removed the next day, um, you know, and then December was good. So December was probably, I want to say I did a little over 10K in gross sales. I would have to double check. Um, 
But that at that point in time, it was like over double my best month, like at the time, like because um, I was just getting out of private label. So like it was absolutely crazy to me um, the amount of volume that I would that I did compared to what I was doing. So yeah, um, yeah. Like last year, my Q four was uh, was was amazing. Actually, it was. Uh, because the first Q4 was, it was such a shock because I was still working full time and uh, I was working all day in electrical engineering and then all night packing with Kylie at home, um, purchasing, sourcing, you name it. You guys can all relate uh, products here, there and everywhere around the house. So to go from that over the last couple of years that I've started to recruit assistants and start to automate my business, last year was uh, the... The, the, the least I'd ever done, but the best I'd ever done in terms of gross sales in my business. So it was incredible for me. Um, it was a, a lot more simpler because I had people now in place and, and people in uh, helping me with the system and, and packaging here at the warehouse. So um, yeah, looking forward to this year just to see what happens. But I guess the first, the first sort of topic, um, I've, got a, I've got a first topic here. And it came from um, uh, somebody called Alper. I hope I don't I get that wrong. But um, it was basically tips for preparing for your first Q4. And you guys that are in the chat, you guys that are in the chat, if you guys want to answer the question as well, because we'll just get the uh, the we'll just replay. You know, re, I guess just uh, sort of uh, whatever you guys say, we'll just say out loud as well. So you guys are helping one another as well. So. Um, Tips for Q4, for the first Q4, Chris, what do you think? Yeah, um, I would probably say, uh, I mean, obviously the, no, the first no-brainer is, is just make sure you're sourcing ahead of time. Like, you know, make sure you get your inventory there in time. Because I remember last year, I want to say, was it November 5th that they, you know, they said, if you want your inventory sold on Black Friday or by a certain date, you need to get it in before this certain day because everything kind of slows down. So, I mean, just prepare for that. So that means that like, you know, September and October, you need to be sourcing heavily. Like, um, you know, just really, and look at those Keepa graphs from last year to kind of analyze that demand of, you know, or like, is this item going, how well does it actually sell come November and December? So I would say that's really my, my, First tip, yeah. First main tip. Yeah, I think that's a it's a from from my personal experience. What I experienced is um, UPS can be a bit of a problem um, because mm. it's not just Amazon sellers now shipping in volume. It's like everybody, especially where I am here in the warehouse. I remember last year there were times when, uh, for example, the UPS guys would would only be able to, to ship maybe half the, the day's shipments just because he's, he's ran out of space. So uh, one of the things that um, we've been doing all year and we've been doing for a couple of years is try to build that relationship with a UPS driver. Um, uh, the people that pick your, your packages up, do what you can to um, not, I won't say bribe them, but give them a box of chocolates and things, and then uh, they, they may come to you first instead of last. So these are just some of the things that I've experienced. But from a from a like a I guess a, a processing point of view, um, I think I think the the like you just said the sourcing that's really important. Obviously, get that stock into Amazon ahead of time. 
because everything takes longer. Everybody's shipping more. Uh, I think Amazon will just, it just takes an age for them to, to receive your inventory. Um, but I think the, the, the most critical thing for, for me that I've been focused on over the last few years is the whole uh, processing of products um, from sourcing all the way to shipping. Uh, so I've been working on, uh, like last year, it was very, very important for us to have as, as little, um, be as proactive as possible. And what I mean by that is uh, you can, so for my virtual team, they they upload all the stock um, to our Seller Central account before it even hits the warehouse. So you're not having to add stock, you're not having to upload any products or anything like that. And I think it just, it makes the, the, the whole system much, much better. And um, yeah, I'd, I'll probably say, um, yeah, I'll probably say that's, it's really, really important to stay organized because there's a, there's a lot of things going on um, and quantities as well, I'd say as well. It's quantities and you're replenishing, they go hand in hand. So as we get more, if you're doing replenishing, let's say, I don't know, every week or every two weeks, you may want to just consider doing it maybe twice a week just to see what's what's potentially selling out. Um, yeah. What do you that's, think to that? That's great, yeah. Um, and I guess a really quick thing uh, I was going to ask, I'm asking you is, what do you use to track inventory levels? Like, do you have a VA, do it all, like someone on your team, or do you have, like, a certain software that helps you with that? Um to kind of make things streamline? Yeah, well, the replenishing, for whatever reason, Amazon, they, they got rid of the, they've, they've got rid of the redundant, the, the infantry and stock report. Um, I've actually got a replenish master spreadsheet that relied on that infantry and stock report, but over the next couple of days, I've got a, I've got a brand new video going to come out, a demo sharing exactly the sort of, uh, the way we do it now. So replenishing, what we essentially do is um, we used to use the infantry and stock report and uh, put that into our replenish management. And what it would do, it would compare our sales over the last sort of 30 days compared to our infantry in, in stock right now. And if you had less stock than your sales, it would flag up saying that replenishing is required. Um, and then you would then be able to, or a virtual assistant would be able to go in and see whether it's still available. And that's probably the most scalable thing that I've come across. I'd love to know if anybody else um, uh, has any experience or anything else that they want to add to that. Um, how do you usually do your replenishing, Chris? Yeah, so, I mean, my, I don't have as many SKUs as you do. So what I, have, what I do is, is basically um, I just use uh, Forecastly for things that I'm ordering a lot of, like, that I continually reorder, but I don't upload things that I know I'm never going to reorder again, such as like items from closeout suppliers or, um, you know, maybe it was just like something that was a small run or something like that and I buy it. So for me right now, I don't know, like I'm going to have to get a VA. I'm, my VA that I currently have doesn't actually do this yet. So like that's the reason why I ask is because it's like I want to know, okay, how do I scale this to where it's more automated? Um, and as you grow, I'm assuming it just is going to become more and more of a hassle. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I wish I could add something beneficial, but that's a great way that you do it. I'm probably going to try and scale into that. Yeah, well, like I say, um, I think Jack just said there, rest in peace, um, the infantry and stock report. Um, 
I'd love to know what your kind of get around for it is, Jack. And uh, that's what this is all about, to see whether um, myself and Harry, who's my uh, operations manager, my virtual assistant manager, um, we've been working on a get around, which I'm going to share uh, out on the YouTube channel shortly. Um, but if anybody has any different methods, then obviously that, that's what this is all about. Um, but Luke here said, uh, uh, thanks for the input here, Luke. Uh, prepare in advance, um, sources of finance, uh, replenishable lists, uh, turning over products against getting out the cash again, preparing for future purchases. Preparing okay. for future purchases. Interesting. Um, yeah. Because I, I think um, another thing that's important is when to, uh, because um, there gets a point where you want to, you want to stop shipping. So there's a cliff. There's a cliff at the end of Q4. So in my experience, that usually happens, uh, I would guess, maybe like the, the 20th, 21st, 22nd, 23rd of December. This is when, you know, people are uh, the last-minute buyers. They're no longer going online. They're now rushing out to physical shops to go buy their last bit of their, their, their presents for Christmas. And you experience this huge cliff in sales where you would literally go from um, you'd maybe only get like 20% of your sales literally overnight. So what you don't want to do is get caught short. I think, I think what Chris said right at the beginning, get your inventory into Amazon is really important because if you, if you ship your, your stock too late and then it, you go over the cliff and then you just get all your stock live, the demand's gone. So, um, it's important to, to think about that when you stop purchasing or when you stop uh, shipping, you know. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's a great point. I have something, too, I want to bring up, and it was a huge takeaway from me last Q4, um, something I learned, and then I want your feedback on this as well, is, okay, so I think a large part of Q4, it's that Wednesday, and, well, at least here in the States, I don't know about over there because um, of Thanksgiving over here, but it's that Wednesday and Thursday before Black Friday, there are absolutely crazy deals online, like, like apps, especially for anyone in online arbitrage, like there are some crazy deals out there. But my question is, and this is something I encountered is, is how do you calculate that influx of supply that's going into for a particular item? Um, and, you know, that's obviously it's just part of economics, right? Like the more supply of something, the decrease in price. Now, obviously, some items are going to decrease more than others. So. You know, do you do you just price low enough to where you can get rid of your stuff fast? Or, like, how do you go about that? Like, um, I don't know. I figure pick your brain. Like, or do you just not buy around Black Friday at all? Are you just like, I'm not even going to mess with this, um, you know, not even going to deal with it kind of thing? Yeah, well, the, the one thing that's the, probably the most taboo thing that all of us Amazon sellers, so everybody that's here, and whether you're in the U.S. or the U.K. or whatever, don't get involved in penny battling. Don't get involved in undercutting one another and all these things because ultimately we all lose. The only people that win is Amazon at that point. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't get myself involved in um, competing. So let, let's say let's say I'm gonna I, I I'm I've, I'm on a product and uh, somebody has decided to start penny battling and now they're they're, they're happy to take sort of. 5% or whatever, you know, they're happy to take real low return on investment. 
I'm I'm happy just to sit above them because it's a it's a sort of um, with the demand of Christmas. There's so much volume. There's so many. There's so much demand. Those people that are willing to penny battle, they'll they'll just they'll sell out. If you've done all your research correctly, obviously, and you've got a high selling product, this this the demand is so great. They're just going to sell out at five percent, ten percent, fifteen percent, twenty percent, and then you can sit there pretty at thirty percent, forty percent, or whatever it is. Um, so uh, that's probably what I would tend to to say there. Gotcha. Um, so just do your research. Your advice is, is do your research to where when they do penny battle you, it doesn't matter because you're going to be, it's going to be selling so quick that when the buyers do want that item, you're going to be sitting there at a prime price working all, you know, obviously capturing those profits. So no, that's great. That's a great. Yeah. I think, um, I think the peak, like the peak of Q4. You know, when you think about the, the peak of Q4, obviously you've got things like, you know, you've got Black Friday and things, which is exciting for us. But the peak of Q4, I think, is going to be around sort of, um, you know, between the sort of like the, the 5th to sort of the 15th of December, where um, a load of people are trying to do their last minute online purchases to get it delivered before they have to go all out to the physical stores. Um, so it's a case of, analyzing your stock like if you're going to stop purchasing for example if you stop purchasing around the 10th of december um if you stop purchasing around about the 10th of december and then you're looking at your stock around about the 10th to the 15th you can see what you may still have in stock and see what the demand is if you then i don't know if if the if if one if you've got something in stock that's you've got like 20 units or 30 units and you know the the buy box is at I don't know, 25% and, you, and you're sat there at 30% not selling, then obviously you, you may want to consider if, because you don't want to get stuck with all those stock going into January. So yeah, I think yeah, it's, yeah. I think it's, it, I think it, you've just got to take the time to, I guess, analyze your products um, as you're getting towards that cliff. That's probably the best thing I could say at that. That's a good point. That's great advice right there. Yeah, that's real. That's really great advice. Um, so I think, uh, here we go. Who, what were they saying here? Uh, Luki, try to build up as many avenues, uh, for purchasing. So you have a deal flow, check over three to five day orders and forecast current stock to replenishables. Okay. So I think you're talking, yeah, sounds good that, um, yeah. Math, um, how to explain Jack V lookups that have been sorting data from restock and infantry health report, basically working out sales stock time in between sales and to better predict demand. It's early days and far from perfect. And I think, I think that's probably a good lesson to, um, to, to probably highlight is no system is in my experience and you're probably the same, Chris, no system is perfect when you first start it. It's about starting something, starting a system, creating something, an idea of how you're going to do something, and then optimizing. That's essentially, that's probably the best thing I can say. So when it comes to replenishing, and when you are um, looking at the stock that you're running out of stock at, so you, so let's say you decide you're going to purchase, I don't know, five units or 10 units, and 
you quickly run out of those units within two days or you think you're going to stay in stock for, for a month and you run out within the first week. That's just a bit of feedback. You can use that knowledge. You can start to uh, use your own sales data um, to, to make better buying decisions. Does that make sense? That's great advice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think too is, is that, you know, it's like anything, like you said, just start and then you're going to figure out what works best for you. And it's just about getting the ball rolling. Um, and you know, like I, and I'm excited for your YouTube video, um, on that too. I think that's going to be great. Uh, it's something not really, I feel like not a lot of people are talking about it just, you know, ways like some of that, like more advanced level stuff, right? Especially once you start scaling, I think that's it's going to be great. So, yeah, yeah. Um, there was another there was another question. Uh, it was from one of the Facebook groups, so I thought it was a, a good thing to talk about here uh, from Colin, and he said, "Is there any change in sourcing strategy for Q4? Is there any? Do you in in your business, in your experience, Chris? Do you change any of your strategy just specifically for Q4? Be interesting uh, to know your thoughts." Yeah, so um, a little bit, like in terms of like one way I do is, is like, and I did this last year and I plan on implementing it again this year is just wherever I'm ordering it from, whether it's from a wholesaler or from a particular retail store, I'm going to make sure the process of, you know, getting that item from wherever it's going into Amazon is as quick as possible. So that may mean, you know, I have, I have two different prep facilities. One's a little bit quicker than the other one. So maybe I'll go to that quicker prep facility that might cost a little bit more, but it might be worth doing just to get it into Amazon quicker. Maybe I'll ship the items to myself. Maybe I like, maybe I'll pay for sh faster shipping. Um, that's one, you know, just cutting down on that, that inventory flow time. Um, and it can be crucial. Like sometimes that can make or break, um, you know, that can mean the difference of hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars, depending on when it gets in. So um, that's one thing I definitely plan on implementing this year for sure. Oh, God, yeah. I think I think that's a very valuable point. I mean, I, I don't um, I, I run a prep service. I don't actually I don't use a prep service for my, my own business. But, um, you know, I, I think that's a valuable thing. I think if you can if you can look at how quickly you're getting your products to to Amazon, I think that that is definitely a metric that I look at uh, within my own business as well as uh, the prep service. Because at the end of the day, the quicker you can get your products to Amazon, the better. You don't want to, you know, if you've got a if you've got a shipment, this is why we try to do like the same day turnarounds within a day. You know, if, if we can get our stock in the warehouse, we want it out of here because it's not selling in, in the warehouse. It's selling when it gets to Amazon. So um, I think that's a... I think that's a valuable insight that you just given there for those people that are using prep service, wherever you may be using prep services, you may want to consider going multiple prep services just in case you could have more products go at the same time. I don't know. Yeah. And to touch on that too, is like, you know, you met, you brought a good point about the multiple prep services as like communicate with them. Right. So it's like, like get it, I get a feel for how busy they are because it's just like Amazon. It's going to clog up as well. Um, it's going to be, you know, things are going to get out slower because of more volume for them. So, you know, like communicate with them, be like, look, is your turnaround time still 24 hours or 48 hours or whatever it is? 
Um, because yeah, like you said, like you want to get that stuff into Amazon as quick as possible. I've been sending stuff here and I mean, I'll try, I'll get it out like same day, like mm-hmm. it'll be out in an hour, you know? So it's like, I'm just quick as quick as possible. So absolutely. And, uh, just to share a little bit behind the scenes here at the, the prep service, myself and Kylie right now are uh, working on optimizing our demand for Q4 right now by having, we're going to get another person in the warehouse to be proactive because even, um, we have more prep service clients now than we did last year, which means sort of the, the demand is going to sort of, uh, exponentially increase, which, so for you guys that are here that are in the prep service, you know, rest assured that we are working on making sure that we stay, uh, our qualities are, uh, are up there. So, um, yeah, looking forward to having more help here at the warehouse because we are getting more busy. That's for sure. I bet. Yeah. Um, Okay, so there was another question here from, uh, oh, let's, let's just see if there's, I think there was a question, a couple of comments coming in here. Uh, Jill, uh, Jilly, uh, hi Jilly. Uh, some, some of the wholesalers that I know use employees for each product line. Uh, so they are like account managers per suppliers, I believe. Interesting. Oh. Huh. Um, Luke, uh, question guys, what sort of percentage volume in increase, uh, do you think each category for Q4? As I only saw toys last Q4, uh, now I sell in every category. So hard to, to know which categories will times two times four compared to each other. That's a great topic to talk about. It really is. Yeah. So th- I, I guess if, you know, I'll start. No, no worries. Um, the one, the first thing I'll say, Luke, is how exciting is that to go from you're only selling in toys, now you're selling in multiple categories. Like that is for, for your business, you're going to see exponential growth. That's super, super exciting. Um, so the volume increase, uh, you think, for each category for Q4, um, I think it's hard to say, to be honest, because there's so many variables involved. Um, one thing that we do know is that, and this is great news for every single one of us here, is that Amazon continue to increase every single year. So that's the beauty of, um, that's the beauty of Prime Day that we've just had last month. Um, every year they continue to increase their membership, which means I, I don't even know how many more they increase from Prime Day, but uh, do you have any figures on this, Chris? Do you know anything? No, I don't know the exact figures of this year. I do know, though, like you said, it is an increase, but I don't know of of an increase this year. I'm interested, though, to see those stats, though, for sure. Oh, yeah. I would be interested to know. I'd, I'd be interested yeah. to know how many prime memberships there is this year compared to last year, because what that means is that there's more people using prime, which means that's fantastic news for us. Um, so do you do you do you have any uh, indication on sort of what the, the growth is, Chris? percentage yeah i mean i like you said i think this is a really hard quite like there, like you said there's so many variables here as to like whole categories i mean a, a very basic answer is is like you know i think i think it's certain items and and niches and categories that are going to you know 5x compared to 2x like in general we know toys are really popular around the holidays because of 
you know, uh, like gifts and stuff and like, you know, all that stuff. That's the reason why they're popular. But it doesn't mean every toy is popular, just as in like books. Like I know tons of people who get buy a book for someone for Christmas, but it doesn't mean every book is a good book to give as a gift. You know, so mm, it's like, yeah. I, I mean, I think the best bet is, is just like whatever, like, you know, whatever you're sourcing right now or potentially sourcing, you know, dive into that keep a graph. If it has a keep a graph that's been around multiple Christmases or, you know, even one Christmas, look and just see like how, you know, what, what did the sales rank do? And I think that will give you maybe a good, at least a decent indicator of, what potentially could happen this Christmas. Yeah, yeah and, and, and it happens across the entire category as well. So, um, you know, so let's say right now there's a toy at, uh, I don't know, 20,000 20, in sales rank. That's going to be selling a specific amount right now. Let's say it's selling, I don't know, let's say it's selling between 15 to 20 a, mo a month, probably more. Well, the same rank right now, like the same rank at Christmas time will just be more volume. So, um, and that goes across the entire category. So, um, I think this is where the replenishing system is super, super important because this is, it's about keeping in stock while increasing stock. Because if, for example, if, if, for example, you're maybe conservative of, let's say you, you, you say, I'm just going to buy four of these, this item. I'm going to buy eight of this item. Well, you may run out of that stock like within, within less than a week because maybe you've been a bit too conservative. And then maybe that deal is potentially now gone or sold out or expired or whatever, whatever the case is, which means you can't then replenish, which means you've sort of lost out. And that's going to, that's going to restrict you going to that next level because to get to that next level, you know, if you're, you know, if you're at 10,000 right now per month and you want to get to 30,000 per month, it's just a case of having more stock available in stock to make those sales. And the last thing you want to do is, um, find a really good winner and then you only buy, you know, six and then you run out within two days, which is great because you've sold everything. But it, if you, if you just purchased 20, you would have maybe stayed in stock for longer, which gives you that opportunity to grow a bit more. Does that make sense? That's that's great. That's yeah. fantastic advice. Um. So, da -da -da. Uh, Nick, Nick had a question. Um, what are the best practices? And this is quite important. This is very very important for all of us, to be honest. Um, what are the best practices for preventing suspension due to uh, OA and RA? Um, he was saying, do you keep all the receipts, paperwork? What else? What's so? Let's talk about. Uh, suspension in general, what's the best practices to prevent suspension throughout Q4? Because uh, just uh, just before we get onto the answer, like last year, if you guys remember last year, I was actually suspended myself within my business in September last year for about 36 hours um, just before Q4. So the last thing you want to go through is a suspension, especially if it's the peak season, Black Friday or anything like that. So uh, do you have any best practices, Chris? I mean, you know, I mean, I think some of them are kind of common sense in terms of like, you know, if obviously if they're fulfilled by Amazon, they're getting their orders out in time. But like, you know, make sure that you're, you know, you're selling what you're supposed to be selling. Make sure, you know, you know, sometimes retailers will ship in like 
it might be a return from a customer and that even though they're technically not supposed to do that they still do it sometimes um you know make sure your prep facility is familiar assuming you're doing you have a prep facility make sure they are familiar with amazon shipping practices make sure you can actually list the items because there are services out there like third-party listing systems that will bypass the gating process altogether so like i mean you know some of it's common sense um, and then in terms of, yeah, wholesale, save your invoices. Um, in terms of receipts, I mean, if you're purchasing from retailers, a receipt won't do anything. Like, you know, if Amazon asks for proof of purchase, if it's, you know, that it's authentic or not, I mean, you can show them a receipt 99% of the time. It's not really going to do much. Um, but, I mean, it doesn't hurt to save your receipts anyways. I mean, you know, and I, I guess that's pretty much my best advice, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, um, well, I, I can quickly share with you what I was suspended for last year. And, and this is quite difficult to, to police. And I'd love for you guys that are in the chat um, to, to give me some advice on this. So last year, um, early September, I got suspended. Uh, I was going, I was a Friday night. It was a, it was a great night. I was going out for a meal with some friends. Fantastic. Great night, great meal. And then I get the dreaded, you've been suspended on my phone. It was literally, it was brutal. It was a notification flashed up on my phone. Um, your selling, yeah, your selling privileges have been removed. And this was at about, I would say about 25 past 11 at night after the meal, had a couple of drinks. I was out of town. I was like, oh crap. Like of all the time, of all the things to ever get experience while I'm out of town. Anyway, what happened was I got suspended because we sold a product. It was a health and beauty product, and it had an ingredient in it called cyrillic acid. Okay? Wow. Cyrillic acid. And um, basically what, the, what Amazon said was this substance within this ingredient is, is restricted on the Amazon marketplace. And... What that did for me was straight away it was like, oh crap, like I need to resolve this. Fortunately I did. Obviously I went through the process and saying sorry, I didn't, didn't mean to. Um, but that made me think about like, do we need to start looking at the ingredients of what we're selling? Um, so the, yeah, so the, the best thing, um, the best thing I have to support this now, the best thing that I have against this now is I've got a well, I've got a number of things in place right now. One, I've got a do not buy list. So anything that we ever get restricted, do you know you get performance notifications saying that this this product has now been removed? Um, r remove it from your seller central account, whether you are selling it or not. Any notification that we get like that goes onto the do not buy list. It gets deleted from our account. I think Luke just said there, go through delete old listings. I think it's very, really important to um, to make sure, like it's this it's there's some pros and cons to deleting all your listings. So let's say, for example, you've got a product that you sold. Um, I don't know, you sold it ten months ago, and it's still uh, you've never sold it since. So, but it's in your Sell Essential account. If something happens to that account, if that something happens to that product and it becomes restricted, and it's associated with your account and you haven't deleted it, Amazon could suspend you for that. And I think that's quite brutal, to be honest, because like it's, I mean, I don't know whether you've heard of this before, Chris, but um, I think that's brutal, especially if you're not selling it anymore. So if yeah, you get I'm, in, 
And so, so will that be, are, are you referring to if this item is in stock or like if it's just a listing that's like not even active, you have zero stock, but it's, it's, you're under, you're like, it's still in your uh, inventory, I guess. Is Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we, we just get like performance notifications saying that this product has now been restricted and we'll check that product. We'll search our, our store to see whether we've got it. And then a lot of the times it'll just be like, there's, zero there there's no stock there's we maybe sold it once upon a time but there's no stock which means but then amazon in the performance notification will say if this is not removed uh within 48 hours you will be you've got a chance of being suspended um so you've got to definitely have a system for that you've got to make sure that it gets action just in case that's great advice that really is and that that uh health product did you was that just something like the listing was already created like did you, or was that something you created the brand new listing, um, or how did that? No, no, that that was all that was already listed. There was already yeah, so there was probably already, more than one seller. That potentially, yeah, potentially. Okay, okay. interesting. Um, okay, but I think what you said there about the 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 receipts. Obviously, Amazon over the the last few years they've clamped down massively on receipts versus invoices. Um, just to, when I when I first started back in 2015, I got ungated in groceries, for example, just by a receipt. You know that's how uh, things have changed now. Um, so if if you're selling, if you're purchasing from retailers, always always get their invoices. Always email the uh, the stores asking for invoices because they'll still provide you with an invoice. Uh, they should do. Um, because like Chris said, if, if Amazon say, if Amazon say, can you provide the documentation for this particular product, which I've had before, um, you've got to provide them. I provide them with the receipt, the invoice, I provide them with everything. Um, and, and that's been okay. And that's something I've learned too with Amazon is you have to overly communicate and you have to be very, very specific and just say it as plain as possible, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like you said, provide the receipt, the invoice, like any other thing you can possibly think of, you know, do it. Um, yeah. yeah, so that, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you read Jack's question, Chris. Yeah. So let's see here. I'm going to, it's kind of a long one. So I need to scroll down a little bit to make sure I, oh, no, there we go. Let me see. Can you see it okay? Yeah, and like all of a sudden I got, it like went backtrack. Okay, here we go. Question, so I sold an ASIN, which was a good winner. Someone changed the key specification of that ASIN, so the customer was not happy. They were a very, very angry customer, unreasonably so, and would not allow me to rectify the situation. In this situation, I understand I should have noticed the listing change, but does this mean I deserve the feedback or more generally, when a customer doesn't give you an opportunity to rectify problems, is there any way to remove the bad feedback? Especially um, as at, at such an important time of year. Okay, so I'll go ahead and answer this one. Is I have gotten some bad seller feedback and it's a lot of the time it's not even my fault. Like I'm, I, I know when to take blame and you know, 90% of the time, it's just a, an unhappy customer about an item. 
Now, in this case, what I would do is I would contact customer support. I always ask for someone that's, you know, like whatever country you're in, you know, the United States, England, wherever. Um, and then what I would do is I would just lay out your case. Just be like, look, I and I always call up and I'm, I'm just like, look, this feedback is about the actual product. And, you know, explain your case. Be like, look, this was changed. I didn't change this. And and sometimes you'll get denied. I've been I've gotten denied three or four times. And then the fifth time they remove the feedback. So just never take no as an answer and, you know, be polite, be courteous and just, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the best advice I can give. And it wor it's worked well for me. So, yeah, I mean, that's, I think there's a, a, don't, don't give up until you get the result that you want. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, a, yeah. I think that's a, a great life advice, but, yeah. um, <laughs> um yeah, I think the the issue that we've got is because um, because Amazon are the brilliant at so many things, but they also very very automated. So any one of us could go. We can go onto an ASIN right now, and we can change the description. So in your case, Jack, uh, somebody went in and changed the volume of a product, and now the customer's not happy because he's thinking he's getting this specific specific item, and he's got something else. Quite rightly so. I would be annoyed myself. Um, what you can do. So now, like Chris just said, I would definitely ask for it for removed, uh, create a case. Um, I've created multiple cases like Chris has before. Uh, you can even ask for a call back, get them, get somebody on the phone and speak to them on the phone as well if you wanted to. Um, in terms of the customer, the, the difficulty that we've got is, um, I, I'm always like I think, like Chris said, I, I'm I'm quite happy to take blame. I'm quite happy to um, give refund and like I'm be very apologetic. Sorry, mistake from our point. Um, we're looking into this. Explain that you use Amazon. Uh, you know, explain that you use Amazon's because a lot of the customers they don't they still a lot of people think that they 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 buying from Amazon. Yep. You know, they'll, they'll think that they're getting it from Amazon. So if you explain, I've had this before where I've contacted a customer and I've said, uh, we've, we've responded to a message saying, look, we, we use Amazon FBA, which means they control our, all our shipping. There must have been a product, uh, there must have been a problem on, on Amazon's end, which we are investigating and explain that you've got a relationship with Amazon and we take our feedback very, very serious. We're willing to, to you know, give a, a refund to make your experience as good as possible. And some customers, they're, they're actually nice enough to remove their feedback. Um, if they don't, or if they don't get back in contact with you, and because some customers will just never ever respond back to you, then it's a case of keep doing what Chris said, um, open multiple, uh, open a case. If that gets rejected, open another case because it will go to someone else in, in the Amazon world. If that gets rejected, um, Keep going. At some point, you may have to be stuck with a, a, a bad feedback. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, I mean, that's the reality of it. Like, at some point, you may have to, you know, over the, over the last three years, I would probably say I've got maybe up towards 10 to 15 negative feedbacks that I've never, ever got rid of. And I know at the beginning, I remember my first negative feedback that I couldn't get rid of, it, like, it kept me up at night. You know, I was devastated. I was like, what's going on? But now I am, um, I'm, I'm very, very, uh, if we do get a ne negative feedback, I want to know 
what the reason for that was. If, the, if it's a reason that somebody just changed the listing, um, that's unfortunately not your fault. But there's at some points you can't do anything about. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Yeah, just something, you know, just a battle. Just It's just one part of being an Amazon seller. Yeah, yeah I, I think probably the best takeaway there is don't give up until you've got it removed. And if it is your fault, let's say, for example, this it's the other way around. Let's say, for example, you've, you've shipped something into Amazon that isn't the right product. Let's say you've got a team working for you now. You definitely want to get to the root problem of that. You want to be speaking to whoever made that purchasing um, decision. This is why I've got multiple layers of protection in the business as well, which is very important as well. So we... I, We've got our sources. We ultimately we've got from sourcing, reviewing, and purchasing. There are multiple layers of protection, and then here at the warehouse, we've got uh, somebody that that packs who's different to actually boxing. So there's multiple layers of protection throughout the entire system to spot. So if somebody does, let's say I find out that um, we have got a negative feedback from a product that we've sold, and it's got through the whole system of mine. That is when I'm not very happy and I'm looking at like what happened here because it's got through absolutely everybody. Um, but that's just nature of business. It does happen. That's, that's great. Yeah. And I think too, it just is important too to make sure there's feedback companies out there that will, you know, like it, maybe you just want to beef up your account for a couple of months and, and get on a feedback service. And I know a lot of private label sellers talk about it, but I think it's something a lot of wholesalers, and, and online arbitrage people don't talk about as well because, you know, those good feedback, like one bad feedback is the equivalent of maybe four or five good feedback, right? So it's like, yeah. you know, I mean, beef up that account um, and, you know, do what you can to make sure you're getting those good feedback. So when you do get that bad one, it won't hurt as bad. Oh, yeah. I think that's a really, really valuable point that you just made. Like right at the beginning, I would definitely consider – uh, it's not something I've ever spoken about, to be honest, anywhere, but I would probably I recommend video out coming on a, a video I just filmed yesterday on it. And it's like something I highly recommend, like, because I mean, I've been dealing with so many new people. It's like zero percent feedback you, or like, you know, zero feedback, less than 10 feedback. If you have less than 10 feedback and you get one bad feedback, like, I mean, that's going to do some damage on your seller account. So like, oh, God, yeah. And who knows, like maybe one day in the future, Amazon says, look, we're not going to, we're going to make getting seller feedback even harder than it is now. Like you never know, like what if they do that? So it's like, for me, that's why I'm taking advantage of getting as many good feedback as possible right now and just really, you know, beefing up that account. So. Oh, I, I think that's, I think that's very, very valuable. This is, like I say, it's, um, if you're right at the beginning, I would definitely consider doing something like Feedback Express or whatever else there is out there um, and beef that count up. Get as many feedbacks as possible. I mean, once you've got hundreds and thousands of feedbacks, obviously one negative feedback is not going to, it's maybe going to hit a percent. But yeah. like Chris said, if you've only got, you know, 10 feedback, it's going to drop you straight down. And, and I don't know at what point Amazon would take action, probably very, very quickly. If you've got like three feedbacks and one of them's negative, it's going to knock you right down to 66%. Straight away, I'm, I'm, it's going to trigger something in Amazon's world. And from what I've seen, from what I've seen, people will not, like if you get under that 85% threshold, your sales will decrease. And that's based on my two bad feedback I got last year. So like whatever you do, 
you know, like preferably above 90, you know, obviously, but like, I'm just saying like that 85% and under, I mean, your sales will just, they're, you know, disappear. So perfect. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so I uh, had another topic, another, uh, another question here that was, uh, Andy, uh, and Andy said, would you recommend using TA or OA sourcing list at the beginning? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, do you care if I take this one first? Sure. Yeah, go, go for it. Yeah. So, okay. So I have mixed feelings about OA list. Um, I think you should go into, if you do choose an OA list, I think go into it with the mindset of, I'm going to see, like, I'm going to learn from this as much as possible. Don't think that you're actually going to be getting that good of items. And I don't care who they are and if they're saying they're giving you the best list out there because from a business perspective and a money standpoint, if the items are really that good, they're going to source them themselves. They will find the capital. Like, it's just a fact, right? So, like, at best, you're going to be getting some good to mediocre items. But what you can learn is, you can learn, okay, where are they sourcing from? Like, what categories are they looking for? What are some gated categories that I potentially want to get ungated in? Like, it, you know, it'll give you a feel for the system. Think of it as like training wheels for a bike. Like, you're not going to want to do the training wheels forever. You want to do it on your own. And in the meantime, then you can learn TA because TA is complicated. Like, it is, it, it, there's a lot, there's a lot of moving parts. And, you know, you're not going to that 10. They say you get 10 days free. It doesn't matter. Like your odds are you're going to make, you know, if you can find some good items in that first 10 day trial, you'll be lucky. So in the meantime, you know, use your 10 day free trial, then pay for the hundred dollars up front and then learn while you have that OA sourcing list and just use that sourcing list as be like, OK, I'm going to pay for that my hundred dollar free trial or my hundred dollar first month of TA with this sourcing list. And then, you know, I'll get off of it. That's my mindset. And that's what I recommend to people. But, um, you know, I'm not really the biggest advocate of sourcing lists um, in general. That's my, my, you know, biased opinion. So, No, I think that's a very, very valuable opinion. I really do. I think um, what I usually say is, I, I, for me personally, when I started back in 2015, I, I would have, one, I'd, there was no tactical arbitrage that I was aware of. And two, there was no sourcing list that I was aware of. So I was like, I just wanted any type of support. I just wanted any type of help. Cause I was like, I literally went from me sourcing myself to then I got my first virtual assistant. So I made a bit of a, a jump straight away. Um, now, yeah, now, um, now there are sourcing lists out there. Now there are tactical arbitrage and, and different uh, sourcing methods out there. I do, for anybody that's just starting out, I do personally do recommend a sourcing list for, for what Chris has literally just said. It's a great starting point. So if you compare a sourcing list to tactical arbitrage, they're uh, approximately the same price, give or take. Okay. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. The difference is tactical arbitrage is more complicated and, and there is more moving parts. So with tactical arbitrage, although I've, I've, I, I'm, I support tactical arbitrage. I use tactical arbitrage, but it's very, it's, it's very, very marketable where you can say you just automatically so, scan an entire store and it will give you deals. 
The reality is it's a little bit more complicated than that. From a sales point, it's fantastic. You know, from a sales point, it's like press a button, wake up in the morning, and you'll have deals. That's fantastic. But when you're first starting out, when you are a beginner, it's the chances are when you're first starting out as a beginner, you're probably uh, working full-time in a job. Time is very, very precious to you because you want to get as much done as you possibly can in that time. And the last thing you want to be doing is filtering out and, and scanning and not getting the data that you want and trying to figure out how you export and import and, and all these different things where I say, why not get into a sourcing list and then you get some products sent to you. You don't have to scan. You don't have to import. You don't have to mess about with filters and um, scan this store and scan that. Why is it not scanning? Why is this? Because the learning curve you know, the learning curve on tactical arbitrage has to be steep because there's a lot of things to learn. With a sourcing list, you sign on, you get a list, you get 10 products. Fantastic. It's like analyze those products, review those products, like learn why it's a winner, why it's not a winner. You, the, the learning curve is, is fantastic for a sourcing list right at the beginning. So for myself, I recommend a, a sourcing list at the beginning and then move on to tactical arbitrage a little bit later. Um, but I don't think there's any I don't think there's any right or wrong answer here. I think it's a it's a case of whereabouts you want to go because ultimately, like you like you're using tactical arbitrage, Chris. I'm using tactical arbitrage. If you get it into a system, if you get it into a working system that works for you, you know you you should be profitable with tactical arbitrage. Yeah, and like you said, I mean it's especially in the beginning, like it's going to be it you know it's going to be complicated. Like it's. And I mean, I've seen that like just people, they, you know, like just with people I've helped, it's just, it's definitely a lot, there's a lot going on. So, I mean, I think that's great advice, you know, start with a training or start with one of those lists. And, you know, my, the goal is, is to, you know, baby step your way away from it to where you can then find those deals on your own. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean the, the thing is, um, for me, when I first started, like I was, I was just trying to source myself and I was trying to work it all out. You know what it's like? You could probably relate. Everybody here can relate to this. When you're first looking at camel, 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 you're like, what the hell is camel, camel, camel? You're like, keeper. What the hell is this keeper graph? What's this telling me? And I remember uh, myself and a couple of friends when we first started back in 2015, I remember like finding a product and thinking, is this a winner or not? And then I'd shoot this over to uh, my friends in the chat saying, can you guys just analyze this? Am I reading this right? Is this right or wrong? And uh, they would get back to me saying, yeah, you spot on there or no, you didn't see this part. But what would happen then is two, three hours later, I would then have the next product to send to them because it would take me that long to find the next one to, for, to get some feedback on. Whereas a sourcing list now, if I was there with my two friends, I would be in my sourcing list. I'd go, what do you think to this? What do you think to this? What do you think to this? And the, the learning curve would be much, much greater on the, the fundamentals of, you know, is it selling? Uh, camel, camel, camel. The prices, the difference in prices, the, 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 um, uh, the percentages, the return on investment, the sales rank, all these things would be, it's there for you to learn. Yeah, that's, I mean... I can I can echo that a lot. Yeah, that's mm. yeah. I, I posted something similar to that too. That's I hundred percent agree. Great advice. Yeah. Uh, William said, uh, "Where would I find a sourcing list?" Um, you can find them online. I mean, uh, you can f just search for for sourcing lists. 
Jack mentioned there's a, uh, I, I've personally got my own sourcing list that I do promote. Um, I'm, I'm not here to sell you anything at all. Uh, this is just a conversation, but just, just yeah, search for I have one. So, I mean, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I would just search for sourcing list. Jack said there's bookable VA. Uh, there is probably a lot more out there. I think there's a lot more, I think there's a lot more services nowadays for us, Amazon sellers. Um, because there's always opportunity. There's always opportunity. Like, for example, in this past year, uh, there's this the sourcing uh, guidance tools now. So um, in the last 12 months, there's been, have you, I don't know whether you guys have heard this in over in the US, Chris, there is a, a tool called uh, FBA multi-tool. Um, there's someone in my Instagram that actually messaged me about that. I, I'm not sure if that's the name of it, but yeah, it's basically like, it helps you decide whether or not an item is going to be good. Yeah, and there's, and there's also another tool called BuyBot Pro, okay? That's, um, the, that's the one that, uh, yeah. that told me about, yeah. Yeah, and, and both of them, when you think about it, right at the beginning, and, and I'm completely impartial and I don't have any sort of guidance to both. I, in fact, I know both of the creators and I've spoken to both of them. And in fact, I want to actually do a, a comparison of the two, do a full-on review of, of both of them side by side and, and yeah. what are the pros and cons? Cause I think that would be a really, really uh, valuable um, experiment because I think right at the beginning, I think right at the beginning, any tool when it comes to sourcing like FBA multi-tool or BuyBot Pro, if it can give you any type of um, feedback, like big red flags, like don't buy this or have you've not spotted that, that's going to help you ultimately um, avoid those bad buys especially right at the beginning. So, um, yeah, that's what I would say. That's great. That's great advice. Um, uh, the next one was uh, anybody using Facebook ads for online arbitrage? I do not. I don't either. Um, I'm not saying it wouldn't, I guess, I'm not saying it wouldn't be, you would have to, I feel like you'd have to really, already know your stuff um, and you know in order and you'd have to have quite a bit of stock in order for that to make sense like you know I'm not saying it wouldn't work I'm just saying that you know you'd have to be pretty fluent with Facebook ads and have quite a bit in stock but you know I'm not I don't personally do it no uh, neither do I and and there's, there's there's a number of reasons why you probably wouldn't want to one if you're using Facebook ads obviously you're paying uh, to run those ads, and yeah. then you could potentially be, um, it, it completely depends. I mean, let, let's say, for example, you're, you've just, for online arbitrage purposes, let's say you are, um, I don't know, your profit's going to be five pounds or five dollars or, or whatever it is, and then you pay five dollars off five pounds for those Facebook ads, it, it makes no sense. Um, so, um, that's probably what I would say to Facebook ads. Um, I've never looked at Facebook ads. I, I wouldn't use Facebook ads, not for online arbitrage. And I guess we could probably touch on, uh, have you ever done any Amazon ads themselves on anything on online arbitrage? I haven't, no. Um, and I have a friend who wholesale, who does wholesale, and he's done a little bit, like, uh, like a very, very small amount of like pay-per-click campaigns for his wholesale products, like very, very small. 
Um, mm-hmm. But that's pretty much it, yeah. Yeah, and um, I, I actually, um, I know, uh, I, I know Amazon. They they try to to push Amazon pay per clicks at you, especially if you for let's say for the the, the long term storage fees that we had in August. I know when I was looking at the report, it was like slow moving product, and it was like asking you to uh, do ads, do ads, do ads, and. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, I never have myself. Uh, I, I was tempted, to be honest. I was tempted this year just to see, just to see what would happen, just to experiment a little bit. But I never did, and I, and I probably wouldn't say um, that's more, I guess, private label and things. Yeah, yeah, and that's my only experience with it is private labeling, and I mean, it definitely works, but you can rack up some money really quick too. So, mm. yeah. Um, does any, any anybody in the chat have any more questions at all? Fire away! I am um, uh, we're open for any type of question here. Um, let me just have a look. Yeah, I'm looking here. Yeah. Uh, there was another question here. Um, sourcing. Um, how to consistently find products? How do you consistently source? I think uh, I think that's sort of a. Um, I think you need to have different methods of sourcing. I think we've I think we've we've already mentioned sourcing lists. Uh, we've mentioned tactical arbitrage, your own virtual assistants as well. I think the more legs of sourcing that you've got, the better. Um, yeah. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Because like for me, um, I have a my VA right now. Like their main job is to reach out to 50 wholesale suppliers a day. So like that they they have like I have like you know I I find databases and basically I'm like look here's a thousand thousand suppliers I want you to hit 50 of these a day and you know out of those it's just like you said like with OA sourcing or anything it's like you're going to find a lot of duds there's going to be a lot of stuff that isn't just isn't good but then all it takes is a few and it's about always having those constant leads coming in, whether it's new suppliers or maybe scanning a new retail store. So like for me, I now now with multiple scans, I don't think this is as much of an issue. But when it when you had one scan before, it was like, okay, um, was it one scan before? It's I already forgot. Like, but uh but it was like you had to be picky. You had to be super picky. And you know, maybe pick a store that you was good. And then if you found something good from there, you could experiment with maybe a smaller store and take that chance. But now you can try those smaller stores that you might just be gambling on because you don't know, like, are these stores even going to have anything? And then also scan some stores that may be in tactical arbitrage that you're more familiar with. So it's just a numbers game. It's, you know, just statistics. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely, and and I think uh, I think we just mentioned there you've got to you've got to in terms of the consistency of of sourcing. Okay, so if you're gonna if you're gonna build a, a sustainable a long term business on Amazon using online arbitrage, retail arbitrage, wholesaling, whatever the model that you're using, as Chris said, you've got to keep finding those products. You've got to keep replenishing. You've got to you've got to keep keep finding them. So for me, I always. I always say as many sourcing streams as possible. So we've already, like we've just said, we've, we, there's this sourcing list, there's tactical arbitrage, there are your own virtual assistants. But then you can also break that down further as well. So if, for example, 
you are just getting started and you're just in toys, well, try getting yourself ungated as quickly as possible in all the others. Or start using those those free categories that you're ungated in immediately just to open yourself up to more products. Um, I'll definitely say that because um, it, it's, like you said, it's a numbers game. You know, if 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 you stop sourcing, you're going to stop selling eventually when you when you run out of things. So you've got to keep finding different ways. So that's what that's all I did really uh, in my business. I started in toys and games. I expanded out to, to health and personal care and beauty, then groceries and kitchen and home and electronics and sports and outdoor, and just continue to sort of expand the categories and and have a, a resource in place to source those those products. Um, yeah. That's yeah. how that's how you're consistent. Great advice, yeah. Um, Jack said the 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 problem with ads um, if you are sharing the listing, you are drawing sales to your, your competitors as well as yourself. Yeah, um, yeah I, th- I think I think you're right. I think there is a potential. You can't. I think you if you go onto your own store, I think you can send a link directly to you selling the product, but you won't do ads anyway. I think we've I think we covered that one. Yeah. I think we're all anonymous on that one. Yeah, agreed. Let's see. Um, I think we've got a couple of questions here. There's another one from Jack. Can you see that one? Uh, let's see. Is it when you have a winner that's really good, do you ever consider wholesaling it? Is that yeah. what it's asking? How would you go about finding? Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely, that's how I got into wholesaling was because I had this one online arbitrage product that was just like absolutely crushing it. And I'm thinking, let me see if I can get this cheaper from an actual, you know, distributor or manufacturer. Uh, turns out I couldn't. Um, they were actually charging more. But what you can do is to see is one, you can either contact the brand directly. So like see what the brand is and then just contact them directly or whatever category it's in, try and find specific wholesalers, distributors in that category and work backwards that way. Now the latter is very, is much harder in terms of finding a specific product, but you could potentially find a distributor that's selling a product that you don't even know about and it's good that way. So it's like, that's what I would recommend. And I mean, in terms of just where you can find them, I mean, really, I know it's, this is kind of basic, but you know, Google, um, in terms of like, you know, everything online, like Google wholesale central, um, that's pretty much, if you want to do it online, that's your best bet. Oh yeah, I think um, this is this is this is something that I'm really really focused on right now. Um, so I'll just get clear on this question: when when you have a winner that is really good, do you ever consider wholesaling it? Yes. Um, so I, I think I think there's a, a huge and I, and I don't know why I didn't know this earlier uh, when I first started back in 2015. Um, I think you just you just go through the system, you go through the stages. But what I did. Back in 2015, is I was um, I found a a toy. Okay, I found a toy, a Shopkins toy. Okay, there was it was a a season two. Um, there was a, a season two Shopkins, and I, I went to a local store. I bought ten of these these products and I shipped them in, and they sold straight away. Like within like 
um, a couple of dates. I was like, fantastic, great. I went back to the same store to replenish, and what they'd given me was instead of season two, they actually gave me season three. Okay, so this is this is slightly um, a different angle to the question, but I'll get to the question in a second. And then I found I was like, okay, these Shopkins, Shopkins was like selling like hotcakes. There was like selling across Amazon. They were all like the best sellers, everything. But there wasn't a season three. Okay, there wasn't a season three. So I was like. I'm going to create this listing. I'm actually going to create this listing because everything else is selling on seasons two. So why don't I create season three? And I did. And uh, it literally sold within, it wasn't just a couple of days. It was like within a couple of hours. I, I sold 10 immediately and I created a brand new listing. And in fact, I had it on my living room wall because what it had got, it got the, um, I can't remember what the tag is. It wasn't number one bestseller. It was like, um, I'll have to give you the screenshot. Sorry? Was it the Amazon Choice badge? Uh, it wasn't the Amazon Choice. It was like, um, the at the time, let me get this right. It was like, uh, number one best newcomer or something. And because I was selling it, because it sold out straight away, I, I got more and then I got more. And then unfortunately, within like a month, um, uh, everybody else jumped on it as well, because that's the yeah. problem with online arbitrage. Um, but... What that really did for me back then, and, and now I've got the time to, to look at this a little bit more, is if, for example, you are selling a product, let's say you're selling a, um, a particular product that is selling a lot, you could potentially create a, you could one, try to wholesale it, of course, try to search for wholesalers to see whether you can get it cheaper and more, more quantity. You could potentially decide, well, if, if I know a bundle of two is selling like crazy, why don't I try to create a bundle of four and create the listing yourself and, and see whether you can start selling that? Because you've got the data already there that two are selling, so people may want to buy four. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, that's fantastic. You know, I, I think that's... I've thought about that myself, and honestly, it's like I'm so... I don't want to say overwhelmed, but like my play is completely full right now mm. and it's just one of those things it's like you know i haven't like that's great though like hearing that it'll definitely make me you know keep my eyes open i guess and, and yeah I, um, and and, the, and that's the thing like everybody's plate is full and, and so is mine my plate is, is really full just like every one of us yeah, yeah. and um but the now i'm looking at wholesale now because um i created a second account and i've got a second account on amazon now which I'm really trying to beef this up, and I'm starting to look at some of these things. So one of, one of the things that um, I started to think about was if you do have a, you can actually go into your sales. Um, you can go onto your, uh, if you go to uh, business reports, go to buy ASIN, and you know it's got the detailed report of of everything that you've sold. On there, if I if I remember rightly, uh, it's actually got the impressions. That that product has got and the the sales that you've that you've had as well. So like some of the impressions are are incredibly high. Like some of these, it's amazing on how the volume of traffic on Amazon. So you could potentially um, you can sort by what are your products that you've sold in the last thirty days. I've got the the biggest volume of impressions, and then you could potentially go, wow, like 
that might give you an opportunity to create another listing on, on that particular item or try to wholesale it, try to get more of your margin. These are just some of the, the, the things that I'm thinking about. I don't actually have any type of uh, data to back any of this theory up, but it's it's a good avenue to maybe start thinking about if you're going down that road. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Like, that's great. Definitely already learned a few things this fall, and that's, I mean, you could potentially do some really good money with that. You hammered it in. Like, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, there was a question here from uh, William. Yeah. Uh, uh, where could I start looking uh, without using TA for, for OA? Like clearance pages for websites, or should I just get TA? Um, yeah, I mean, you can do it manually. Like, you can 100% do OA without tactical arbitrage and do it manually. It's just going to be, you know, it's going to be very, very, I don't want to say painstaking, but tedious, I think, is going to, to be the right word. Uh, in terms of the best place to do it, um, I always recommend those discount, those discount sites, like, um, like, Slick deals and all those other ones because, or like Vipon, and this is a very controversial topic. Um, but like Vipon and some of those other Amazon discounted websites, and it's great because you know for a fact that, that they're discounted. And I know there's someone messaged me the other day and said there's a guy on YouTube that's making a killing doing this. I don't know his name, um, but this is what I recommend people to start now. The reason I want to say the reason why it's controversial is because you're essentially hijacking, as private label sellers call it, um, their listing. But in my response is, is that you're it's their fault for putting their item at such a large discount, right? Like 90 percent off. You can literally buy these and flip them on Amazon. It's it's kind of like Amazon flips, but more uh, concentrated now. The problem with this is, I want to say, is when you're analyzing the product and you're looking at the keeper charts and you're looking at all that stuff, how do you know the BSR is correct? Like, what if they did these giveaways and this BSR is, in a sense, uh, like, like not true, right? Like, what if it's just inflated and it's not accurate? So, I mean, but in terms of regular retail sites, yeah, you could go through the clearance sites manually, but that's my input on that. Yeah, and I, I would echo that as well. I mean, it's it's one of those things where um, there's a it's a bit of a balance between do you invest like in TA and start using it and get the the learning curve up and uh, get your experience using TA, or do you just do some manual searching? There's no right or wrong answer here, but what I would say is if you if you are doing manual searching, and this is just going back from personal experience, you want to make it as efficient as possible as it can be. Like, yes, it's, it is tedious. Of course it is. But there are things that you can do to speed up manually sourcing. So even if it's just as simple as you want to have all the Chrome plugins that are available to us, like uh, Amazon uh, DS QuickView, um, Keeper, um, you want to use the, the, the Amazon, count, the FBA count, the calculator fee, you want to use sort of this, um, right-click, um, let me get this right. I've, I've, it's been so long since I, I did any manual sourcing, but I believe there's a, a right-click uh, Amazonian, something like that, where you basically highlight a title, right-click, and it will automatically there's a there's a button when you right-click saying search on 
Amazon.com or Amazon.co.uk mm. to make it quicker. So you're not having to copy paste and things. So um, for anybody that's have you know having to to manually source, which is that's absolutely fine. Everybody has to start. Just always think about if you're gonna if you're gonna go through an entire clearance section which has hundreds of items, how can you save ten seconds per item? And that's probably where your Chrome plugins come in. Yeah, that's great. Great advice. Yeah. Um, uh, question for you there, Chris. Chris, what made you change from PL to wholesale FBA from Tony? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, um, it's a simple just cash flow issue. So, like, okay, when you're what people say private label, but like, it's essentially now the way it's gone is you have to create a brand, right? And it doesn't matter, like, it doesn't matter what it is. You're not going to want to touch that. You're going to want to keep reinvesting. Um, and that could mean that you're not going to have to touch that cash for, you know, you have to think product research, market research, you know, shipping into Amazon, Amazon payout time. Like you're looking at three to four months before you even break even. Right. And then it's another, then maybe you start making a profit five to six months down the road. So that's the reason why I switched to the, the OA wholesale business model for now, because you can you get a your cash turnover is much quicker you don't have to pay for ppc you have previous market research there to know okay this item has already been in demand so there's less risk involved right you can read the keepa the camel 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 all that stuff so um that's been that's the main reason why i switched uh i don't think I, I honestly i think you know creating a brand is where it's at and even these people that have their own brands they're constantly, you know, as we talked about earlier, finding new products, it's the same thing, except, uh, you know, private labeling and creating, they're always finding new products that they have to add because it's just the, the way it works. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not like, that's really the main reason. It's not like I think really one is, they, they'll have their pros and cons, I think, so. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, uh, I mean, my view on, on private label is, um, I think you, I think you need a you need some capital to get started. I, I, you know, I think there there is a I, personally, I think what we've just spoken about, like creating a listing of a high demand product that you already know, and then you could maybe go down the wholesale route. I think that's probably going to be much more less risky than putting an order in at China for two thousand pounds or whatever the volume is to ship sort of a thousand units or something to something that you don't really know. So, um, yeah. and I mean, it's, it's really, I mean, it, it's really, I think PL is in creating a brand. I think it's overrated to an extent in terms of how many people on YouTube are talking about it. Now, this is also, uh, you know, an interview with two guys that are in the OA wholesale side of things. But here out, I'm out, out here in Southern California. I know people that are absolutely killing it, um, and they have their own brands and everything. But right now, I mean, you have to have, like you said, not only a substantial amount of cash, but you need to be able to not touch that cash for a half a year. Like you just need to be like, you need to have a 10k, and that 10k needs to be maybe like 15 or 20 percent of the amount of cash that you have. That's my opinion of it. Oh. I and I think you're absolutely right. I think, I, I think there's, um, 
I think there's no question at all the 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 pinnacle of Amazon FBA is your own private label brand. Exactly. I think yeah. you know we're 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 absolutely not saying that it isn't because if you've got your own private label brand, I've got a personal friend who's absolutely destroying his yeah. pers- his private label brand to the point where he's trying to sell it this year, which will p- most likely make him a millionaire. You know, so private label is is the flagship of Amazon. The difficulty that we've got for anybody new and even us guys that have been doing sort of um, retail or retail arbitrage, online arbitrage, wholesaling, like you've just said, you need that much capital now to get going. Like back in the day, sort of four years ago, when you could just buy reviews and you could just give away your products, all these things, it's just made it a lot more difficult, I think. Um, Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. That's great, yeah. That's that's. I think that's a good answer to that question. In fact, I would go. I would go as as far to say this, um, and I'd love to know what your opinion on this, Chris, is. Is yeah. um, when it comes to private label, I think the a, a good way of doing private label now is is if you um, started your own brand, but it was your own sort of personal brand, for example. So, like. If, if you wanted to create your own brand, let's say you wanted to create, if you're passionate about, I don't know, journaling, and, and what you could do nowadays, instead of like trying to source a journal from China and launch it on the Amazon marketplace and PPC and all these things, I think you're better off actually trying to create um, content, try to create YouTube channel, try to create a blog and try to help as many people on the value of journaling and then actually get some traffic to your site and then offer your own private label product, your own physical product of some sort. Does, does that make sense? I'm going to 120% agree with that. I actually, like, I'm already in the mindset of, like, like my goal is to start my own brand on Amazon. But, like, you can't pass up this OA wholesale money once you know what you're doing, right? So my thing is, is, like, yeah, my brand I will absolutely share it with my YouTube channel. I'll even have a YouTube channel centered around my brand. Like, mm-hmm. like I think it's so powerful. And like, it's you know, that's my mindset of, you know, of create of the private label, private labeling on Amazon. Um, and I actually know of one YouTuber who does it, and he's doing really, really well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like I think that's a great, great point. For sure. Yeah, because because I, I think it because it, it's 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 free, you know, and and, and you talk, yeah, <laughs> you know, you, you I mean I mean you guys here that are joining us this evening, um, uh, awesome for you guys to check in today. It's, it's been fantastic this evening. But yeah. um, you're talking to a couple of YouTubers, so there's myself on YouTube, there's Chris there on YouTube. Make sure if you're not subscribed to to Chris, make sure that you are subscribed to Chris. He's got some awesome content on there. Um, Appreciate it. Um, but nowadays, let's say, um, you, you know, if you wanted to create a brand, uh, just, I've just given you the example anyway, you could create a, a YouTube channel. You could, you could start helping people with this and you could use your own audience to, and like Chris just said, one day, I, I mean, I, I've not even thought about this year of creating any type of physical product, but one day in the future, I would love to maybe do a planner or, uh, and something on Amazon. Who knows? No idea. And just something you could put on your YouTube channel and just be like, you know, like, I mean, hey, guys, here's my 
here's my product. Like I uh, talked with Travis Marziani and he has this peanut butter and he just shares it with his audience. It's like this nut butter, like cashew butter. And it's really cool. Like it's great. Yeah. It's absolutely uh, fantastic that you can just do that. You know, that's the approach I would take just being a YouTuber. Uh, but yeah, you're right. That's not something I have planned for this year at all. So mm. Um, uh, there's a comment here, um, on Udemy, there's a guy selling a course that teaches you to purchase Amazon products using discount codes and flip it. But I recall reading somewhere that it's against rules to purchase something with prime account and resell it using FBA. Any thoughts? Yep. That's so yeah. Okay. So you can't use, you can't use your prime account to sell something on Amazon. And so it's, that's in the terms of service. However, you know, are they going to catch you? Um, I don't know. Like, like, are they, it's a risk. Like it's, if you do that, you can buy it with your Amazon account. You just can't, it can't be prime. Like it's, that's against the terms of service. Now I know a guy on YouTube that's telling people to drop ship stuff on Amazon with retailers and that's totally against terms of service. And he's a big, like a pretty good size YouTuber, like eight times the size of my account. And he's telling people to do that. Now that's illegal. Like you can't drop ship from retailers unless you have a specific agreement with them. Yeah. He's telling them to do it. So now are these people getting suspended? I talked to him and he said, no, but you have to make sure that you're just following the terms of service. If you do want to risk it, I would never, I would never do that though. It's just not worth the risk. Yeah. I, I think there's a, there's a couple of valuable things that you've just said there, Chris. I think, I think there's a there's obviously there's a lot of people online sharing what they do and um you know it's completely up to uh, any YouTuber or content creator or whatever they want to share say do this or do that. I think it's important for us as viewers because I mean I'm a creator but I'm also a viewer to um you know to, to make obviously make your own mind up and I think one of the things that I would 100% do is always make sure uh, that it's it's not against terms of service because I mean I, I don't want to do anything black hat gray hat everything I'm doing is white hat because I'm just on about I'm all long term long term long term long term yeah. um, and, and and it's just not worth the risk for me personally if you're asking the question for example and you're not sure I'd probably just stay away from it because um, or you know try finding it on Amazon's website somewhere where it tells you black and white that this is okay or not okay. Um, just yeah, that's you know that's fantastic, and that's something I always preach to my audience too. Is is like question everything and research everything. Like you know, like you know, like you said, as a content creator, I'm trying to present the best content and most accurate content possible. But it doesn't mean that like something I say might, you know, maybe it'll change in the future, you know, like when mm -hmm. someone's watching the video a year from now. So it's like, you know, that's a great point that you guys just brought up with the Udemy question is, is you know, always just make sure, just questioning, you're doing a good job. Like that's a great question. So. Yeah. And, and the, the reality is like you, you are going to make mistakes. There's things that you, you, you may do. So in this case, you may, somebody may just see this and go, okay, I'm going to do this. And then somewhere down the line, you find out it's not actually the right thing to do because it's maybe illegal or whatever. And I think the reality is, um, don't let it, don't let anything stop you from taking action. I think that's super, super important. I think yeah. like no matter what we do, like in, in some, 
like all of us right here, right now, we're all building Amazon businesses. We're all taking action and we don't know what's going to happen. All we can do is take day by day. Tomorrow, for example, something may happen with my Amazon account or whatever, and something may come up and Amazon say, you've been doing this and that is illegal. And all I can do is go try to be as proactive as possible now to prevent things happening and, and then deal with whatever happens in the moment. That's yeah, that's a great mindset. Yeah. Um, Jack agreed, Chris, some, some experience with PL being very expensive, how to grow fast from one PL product, 500 OA products that will sell fast is much better for sure. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to do the giveaways and all that stuff. It's just going to, you know, you're going to incur a loss in the beginning of a, of a private label product. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, thanks for the answer, Julie. Just open a second account uh, that is not subscribed to Prime. One account is for buying, one is for selling, using yeah. different emails for sure. Nice. Going the Amazon flip route, that's a good way to separate them. That's good. I think that's smart. Interesting. Jack, my bedtime. Awesome chat. You guys do another one soon. Well, thanks for joining us, Jack. It's been a pleasure. Jack, appreciate it. Thanks a lot for all the input. I think we've had a we've had a bit of a mammoth session here. A good good hour and a half we've been going for now, Chris. Yeah, no, that's been I wasn't you know, like I I really wasn't sure, you know, how it was gonna go, what kind of we I feel like we covered a lot of stuff though. And I learned some Probably. stuff. I learned, you know, at least four or five things. That's what it's Oh, like. absolutely. Uh, I mean, I'm going to be watching this back. Definitely, I'm going to be watching this back. <laughs> um, so you guys that are in the chat right now, we're probably going to um, wrap up in the next couple of minutes. I, I think we could speak forever. I love this talk. I, yeah, I love it. <laughs> there's, always, there's always questions. There's always something to talk about for sure. Yeah, I love it. Um, but if you guys have got any – there you go, Julie. If you put your YouTube channel link in, in the chat here, Chris – Will you put your? Oh yeah, sure. Um, yeah, just let me. Uh, and then people can uh, subscribe to you. Um, yeah. So, just just before I go, I, I put a um, on my YouTube channel. I think tonight yeah. it's gone live. Um, I put a um, a video out. Will I ever quit online arbitrage? Um, oh, that's awesome. To, to answer the question, uh, will I ever quit online arbitrage? Because so, somebody, uh, I get asked questions like, how sustainable is it? Things are changing. Um, online arbitrage, it's getting harder, unrestricted. Hard, and there's no, there's no doubt about it that Amazon has changed. Like 2015 was easier than 2016. You know, 2016 was easier than 2017. You know, 2017 is easier than 2018, and it goes on. This year, it's easier to start online arbitrage than it will be next year. So the way I answered the question this evening on one of my the video that's been out, will I ever quit online arbitrage, is the day I started online arbitrage, I quit online arbitrage. And what I meant by this, and the, the way I explain it in the video is, Every one of us here that are that are doing an Amazon business, ultimately we've got to protect ourselves that something may happen in the future. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with with Amazon next year, let alone five years. 
Like one day, who knows? Let's just let's put it out there. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but one day Amazon may say to us third-party sellers, we ain't having you anymore. We're kicking everybody off the platform. Now, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon because they rely so heavily on us. And that's essentially what their business model is, I think. There's the, the, a substantial amount of their revenue and their products and operations is from us. But that's not to say in five years' time, something could change. That's not to say that next year, Jeff Bezos could be right now talking to somebody on his, his mansion somewhere saying, do we need these third-party sellers or not? I'm convinced somebody at Amazon has said, asked the question. So the way I answered the question, will I ever personally quit online arbitrage is I quit the, the second I started. And what I meant is I wanted to automate my business as quickly as possible to let me focus on other business models. And that could be uh, wholesale, for example. You can get into wholesale, which is more a long-term uh, relationship based with suppliers. It could be filtering in into private label, for example, once you've got your business up and running, start your own private label business. It could be Shopify. It could be your own personal brand, your own YouTube channel, whatever it is, whatever you're, whatever you want to do. My goal was always, uh, when I first started, was I need to systemize and automate this as quickly as possible, which gives me the time to work on other business income streams. And that's, that's my whole message of my brand. Um, what, what is your thoughts on that? Will, what's your thoughts for the future, Chris? Yeah, so I think the change with online arbitrage is going to happen with the retailers before it happens with Amazon. So, like, what I've encountered is, is like, like quantity restrictions. So, like, I know, for example, I like with Kohl's, June of 2018, they got a new security system in place that makes bulk orders more difficult. Um, like, and I think that more retailers are going to start picking up on this. Um, now, will that happen in the next, like, you know, several years? I think we'll find out. But to kind of go back to what you said is, is like, I, I remember Ty Lopez said something like when he quit it, like when he started going out on his own, you're kind of like on the edge, so to speak, like you're on the edge of the cliff and you can see trends and things that are happening and explore new business opportunities and try new things that you might not have otherwise. So like, you know, like, yeah, online, I'm not to the point where you are yet where my online arbitrage business is fully automated. Um, I'm getting there, but, um, you know, I think it's like, will like if Amazon comes out tomorrow and says, look, all third party sellers are gone. Um, I already have, you know, like I'm going to either rely on my old systems of income that I, you know, I've got ways I'm making money now. Um, and then also look for new ways. Like nothing's going to stop me. And that's the mindset I have is like, I'm going to find a way to make it work, whether it's on Amazon or not. Amazon is just the means by which it's happening now. So, mm. um, you know, I mean, like, yeah, that's kind of my take on it, though. But, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, I think the most important thing to do is, is focus on um, working on building your business. Uh, Q4 is a fantastic time. That's why we wanted to do this. Yeah. Um, this yeah. This, this talk this evening and just connect with, with all those guys and just, gen, just generally speak about Amazon and Q4 because it's such an exciting time. It's so, so exciting. I mean, uh, this is my fourth time and I'm, I'm super excited about it. Again, it's crazy. It's, 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 um, it's so, so like I remember 
um, sort of waking up in the morning thinking, have I made this amount of sales already in the morning? How have I got this amount of stock? Will I just run out of stock because it's so, it's so exciting? Um, so for you guys that are first time in Q4 this year, I mean, that's enjoy it. Just really, really enjoy it and, and embrace it. And uh, it'll inspire you for the next year for sure. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. Agreed. All right. Well, I think we should wrap up then, shall we? Yeah, I think so. I think we covered a lot. Uh, super productive. And, you know, I, I just want to say thanks to everyone who came in and, um, you know, nice getting to, you know, see some of you guys. And, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, awesome. Uh, same for me, guys. Thank you, thank you so much for all you guys that have joined. Um, because uh, the reason why we did it on like this sort of webinar fashion is, uh, and not like YouTube, for example, is uh, you're going to get a link directly to your email address that will send you this replay. Um, so you can watch it back. You can go back and see it at any time, refer back to it, look at the specific questions. Um, I don't actually know how... Uh, this type of works, this format works, but you'll be able to come back and look at this uh, over and over again if you decide. That's great. I, I know I'm going to for sure. Yeah. All right then, guys. So um, good evening, good night, uh, wherever you guys are. Uh, good to see you guys. William, uh, Jilly, Tony, Jack, uh, Jamie, uh, all you guys joined. Who else joined? Tony. Uh-huh. Uh, have I said Tony already? Uh, Tay, good to see you. Um, Ron, thank you, Ron. Um, Luke, awesome to see you again, Luke. Uh, Jack, awesome. Amazing. I love this. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. Couldn't say, couldn't, can't say thank you enough. Thank you so much. Have a great night. I'll see you guys later. I'm going to stop the call now. So, um, it will most likely go. I don't even know what happens. Not a clue. (laughs) So, uh, see you guys soon. See ya.